0: We are the Cat's Whiskers, and this is my top line. Welcome to My Top Line. My name is Jonathan Bullard and I'm delighted to say that this time we haven't got a Nottingham Panthers fan. We've got the Cardiff Devils one. I'm delighted to welcome Sean Phillips. Hi, Jonathan. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. Great to have you on. We'll jump straight into it. So give us a bit of an intro into your Cardiff Devils supporting career. How old were you? What was your first game? And that sort of thing.
1: Okay, so my first game uh, watching the Cardiff Devils was against the Hull Thunder back in the BNL. It was the second of February two thousand three. So I was seven years old, and I came about by getting tickets through. Uh, I was quite ill when I was younger. I was given some tickets, my father and myself, and we went. You know, we've never done anything different. That's that's just what we do. It was uh, we won twelve nil as well. So it was a, a lot of offence, a lot of goals, and uh, a stellar defensive performance. So we were hooked on everything. The atmosphere the speed of the game uh, everything just fantastic and that's uh, that's where the love affair began and uh, here we are today 25 and probably just as in love with it as
0: ever before and th- and three rinks later as well because of course back then you was playing in the Welsh national ice rink
1: I think that sort of is is very very unique for a lot of British hockey fans and I think it's probably only unique to the Devils in fact with three three home rinks through that sort of space of time and yeah they were uh very, very good times in the WNIR. The BBT was tough and in Ice Arena Wales or Viola Arena, whatever you want to call it now, it's sort of um, that's sort of how you break down sort of, you know, your journey as a fan through the different eras and yeah, three rinks and still a great bit of fun and wouldn't change anything about it.
0: Well your various choices do spread over the different eras of the Cardiff Devils, uh, right up until now where they are An incredibly successful side. I mean, how how has that been for you? Because there was a a point not so long ago where they were on the brink of going out of business and now here you are, just a few years later, you've won the Elite League title twice, Challenge Cups, playoffs, been incredibly successful. I mean, it must be like a a dream come true.
1: Yeah, it it is a dream come true. It's the sort of thing which... When, I was, when we were in the BBT, you were struggling to, you know, Sheffield were coming into town every other every few weeks and just rolling you over. A victory against yourselves in Nottingham was unheard of. Our record at the NIC isn't great now, but it was even worse back then. Yeah, to sort of get to where we are now, it, it's nice, it's sweet, and to, you've got to go all the way down low to feel the ultimate highs. And uh, that year was really, really tough for me personally. I had to distance myself from the game which meant so much to me and the team which had given me so much. And uh, it was very, very hard. But now, a couple of years later, I'm a mash night volunteer. I, I give everything I can to the club. And I think it's such a, a mainstay in my life that for it to be successful is
0: an absolute joy. And I take so much joy in it and I don't take it for granted at all. Well, Sean, we'll move on to your team now. So, who have you chosen as your starting netminder for your top line?
1: I've gone with number 39 for the Cardiff Devils, Phil Oze.
0: Phil Oze, a Cardiff Devil in 2006-7, 2007-8 and 2012-13 for part of the season before leaving for Norway. 152 games in a Devils jersey, a British knockout cup and nine shutouts over three seasons. So, John, why particularly Phil Oze?
1: Philo say for me, is everything that I want in a good goalie. He's big, very, very agile. His rebound control is up there with the best I've seen in a goalie that's come to be sure. Pucks in the corners constantly. Reflexes were out of this world. But he didn't often... He was very, very good positioning. So when his reflexes came into play, he was fantastic. But his, his angle work and covering his pipes, his lateral movement was so good that it, his reflexes didn't often come into play. And I think looking at other netminders, when I compare them to it, he's the best goalie with the worst defenses in front of him. When I look through the other contenders, I feel like there's they're they're possibly more successful goalies, but they're probably more successful based on the defense that's been built in front of them. And say, for me, is the the peak of Cardiff Dallas goaltending that I have seen in any case.
0: Of course, there are probably a few other candidates who you could have chosen and a lot will probably argue well he came away with just one british knockout cup compared to Hmm. other netminders that you had who who, like you say have been incredibly successful did you consider some of the more successful ones or was it still that ozair was was the one that stood out for you
1: yeah, it was it was a toss up because I think you've got to look at the raw ability and then, like you said, the success that they brought. I think if you have here in this era now, then a couple of trophies which we've that evaded us the last couple of years, you may get a little bit of performance better. But Bounds Ben Bounds came close, but overall, I I just think that Filozier did wonders with what he had in front of him, and I I just think he was the best goalie we've had technically, physically, in the entire time I've been watching, as I said. Bouncy does a great job. He plays far too many games these days, but in my mind, Ose is the best. And Bouncy's creeping up on him. I think a couple more good years out of Ben Bounds would knock him off the perch, but he's still young Ben Bounce as well. He's got some improving to do, but say for me is the, the peak and my favourite goaltender to have played for the Cardinals. He also has a slight Advantage on Ben Bounce, where Ben Bounce had the you know the wave which you think he took from uh, Rasta, you know, the netminder you guys used to have, we used to do it after you guys won, and Bouncy used to do that obviously in Cardiff. But there used to do this thing before every single game that he played. We know it as the Ose Shuffle. It's on. It's on YouTube. It's Fellowsay's superstition. So. After the anthem had played, he'd go to his crease, he'd sort of swivel his legs into behind the net on it with his hips, bang the pipes with his stick constantly, skate forward, sort of shuffle back into the net. And it just used to blow my mind that he used to do this every single game. And it became famous. If anyone talks about Phil O'Shea these days, you just you know about Phil O'Shea's shuffle. And if you haven't seen it, it's worth a it's a really, really weird superstition and, and an odd thing for a goalie to do, but goalies are all insane, so I don't know why it sounds that surprising, but it's all on it's on YouTube, give it a look.
0: You mentioned about the defenses that were in front of him, but he still posted some really impressive figures. In his seasons with the Devils, I'm looking at him now: six, seven, and ninety-two percent save average. Seven, eight, just under ninety-two percent in twelve, thirteen. Again, just under ninety-two percent. He he really was a good net mind.
1: Yeah, and I think you look at that last season when he came back. It was it was massive for us to get Fellowsay back in that last year that he. That he spent with us, and that was a team which had a lot of changes in it. I don't think he was treated particularly well. I think he was blamed a lot for our performance, performances at the time, and I, I genuinely don't think it was down to Fellows there. There was a lot of problems behind the scenes at the club then. And you look at you look at the the World Record winning team as an example. In I think it was ten eleven from from memory. But Phil O'Shea in that team is is standout. That is a that is an absolutely unbelievable team, and the team off the ice were treated so much better than they were when he came back in twelve thirteen. And it's a shame that he left at that stage with the cloud over the club as he did. And I know there's always that sort of scenario of. He maybe did one too many years or it tarnished the memory, but he was just as good in his last year as he was in his first two, in my opinion, and just got a bad rap and a bad blame for what was just not the not the best team and there was so many other factors going on which could have affected his game, his morale, and the morale of the entire team on the ice as well.
0: Well, we will leave your netminder there and move on to your first defenceman. So, Sean, your first defenceman for your line. Okay, my first defenseman is number seventeen, Mark Richardson. Mark Richardson, British player, an astounding Elite League career, 925 games overall for 103 goals and 289 assists, with three Elite League clubs. For the Devils, though, 814 games, 89 goals, 268 assists. I think it's fair to say, Sean, that Mark Richardson is a Cardiff Devils legend.
1: Yeah, yes. And... In my mind, he's the best British defenceman in the game. He has been for a long time. He will be as long as he plays, in my mind, because he's just so durable. And he originally wasn't a defenceman either. Let's put that out there, is that he wasn't naturally a defenceman.
0: Yeah, he was a forward earlier in his career. I remember when he came to Panthers for his first spell there. He came as a forward, as a replacement for David Clark. Uh, I remember when David Clark went to Italy. Then he went to Basingstoke and came back to Panthers halfway through the, that season. And it was then that Corey Nielsen tried him out on the blue line.
1: Yeah, I think you were very top-heavy on forwards, and but you had some coverage on D to be done. And he took those duties. And And his career has been all the better for it. And you've still got that little offensive upside. Mark Richardson wasn't the best forward in the game. You look at his career and there's a... There's a, a, a a few seasons where he puts up some decent numbers, but naturally he was a two-way forward, and the defensive side of his game was always what you liked about Richie. And that has made him into the the premier British defenseman. You can wax lyrical about Ben O'Connor all you like. In my mind, Mark Richardson gives you as much bang for your buck as Ben, o, ben O'Connor does. That transition, as I said, still gives him that offensive upside. The guy loves to score goals. He doesn't score a great deal of goals, but when Richie scores a goal, the whole rink lifts because he, he's just got so much ability. He can score with a good shot. He's got good hands. He's just involved in so many scenarios on the ice you can throw him onto oh. A power play specialist, penalty kill specialist, can score a penalty shot as well. I've seen Mark Richardson score a couple of penalty shots. Big goals, you look at he scored, he scored against Davos in the CHL. The league winning game in Sheffield for the first title, he scores the win the opening goal to set tone. And I just think Mark Richardson is a guy that you want on the ice in a game where you're leading by one goal going into the final minute, or you want him on your power play where you need a clutch goal because he's just so composed and he's. Still got so much more ahead of him as well. He's not he's not that old, you know, he's he's thirty three as a defenceman, there's probably a few more years in him. He's not the most physical player, but he's strong on the pack, wins a lot of battles on the boards, can just do everything. Mark Richardson, if you're looking at players to re sign every year, he's right there at the top of my list.
0: You mentioned there that he's the best British defenceman in your opinion, but I think he's it's often said that he's probably one of, if not the best, defensemen on the Cardiff Devils roster at times.
1: Yeah, and I think that that is partly why you've had so much success going forward. Is you can just use him in so many scenarios. I think he's up there with the highest ice time guys as well. like I said, he plays on special teams. Uh, when he was paired with Andrew Hotham, the ice time that they both had in the CHL was remarkable. And I just think you can use him everywhere. And that's why he's in my mind the best defenseman that the Devils have got. Is because he can do everything. He can chip in offensively. He's got that mindset. He's a very very positive thinking and defenseman. You look at the evolution of the game in the last couple of years. How teams like to activate their D, and Richie has moved with that perfectly. He worked. He went away one summer and worked massively on his skate. And I remember one of the coaches talking about it in an interview. And he just wants to get better every day. They say he's the consummate professional. He's the first in, the last out. He doesn't. I think he he's sort of James Milner of uh, of the hockey world. You know, a Ribena is probably a bit of a treat for him if the, if we if you go out and win a game. So, in my in my mind, Richie is one of my favourite Cardiff Devils of all time, and that's why he makes it in here. And in fairness, if you look at my, when we finish the end team, if I had to pick one of them to to keep eternally, it would probably be Mark Richardson because I think he's almost irreplaceable as well.
0: And if we ever see a Twitter account boring Mark Richardson. <laughs> we we <laughs> right we know, we, we right know where it's come from. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at your favourite game now. So, Sean, your favourite game in your whole career in watching the Cardiff Devils?
1: Sheffield Steelers away, 18th of March 2017, where we won our first Elite League title.
0: Yes, it was the Steelers 2, the Devils 6, and as you say, Devils winning their first Elite League title on that night. And I think I know why you probably chose this game, but why did you choose this game?
1: (laughs) Well, it's a mixture of things. One, the game itself. I thought we absolutely tore Sheffield to pieces. We started the game and dictated the pace of play, and we made Sheffield go out there and play our game, which is something that we didn't always do. Sheffield is a place where, in past years, we'd faltered, and it it just wasn't a very happy hunting ground for us. And Bounds, the week previously, had got hurt in the game, and he arrived to the game on crutches, took an injection and played the whole game, and was absolutely stellar, out of this world, and
0: Funnily enough, I, I was I was watching the highlights earlier today yeah. before I came to do this with you, and there was why he made an incredible save. I think it was from Levi, oh, Nelson, Levi Nelson, just Levi Nelson, right, enough. right yeah. towards the end of the end of the game, and it was yeah. phenomenal.
1: Yeah, and and Bouncy has that in his locker, and it was just a complete team performance through it. And one of the other reasons is that two years previous we'd gone up the... And lost, or maybe it was three years previous. I lose track of them. But we'd gone up to Sheffield on the last, the last road game of the year, and Sheffield won the title on their home ice in a game against us. And that stung. That really hurt. And I think to go there and win the title against Sheffield in Sheffield after them beating us to the title two years previous was special. And it was a bit of, it was rubbing their faces in it a bit because they would have done it to us. And it was, it was a bit of revenge. It was a bit of relief that it finally came after all that time. When the game was over, the crowd sort of spilled out into the stands. Uh, sorry, into the into the concourse, and and you just heard fans just calling everybody back in. The players were lined up where they where they walk onto the ice, all in their jerseys. Andrew Lord gave a speech, and it it, it was just perfect. It was something which our organisation and a particular core of players had worked towards for so many years. And it, it was just elation, it was relief, it was scenes. It's the only word that I can put. It, it, it was magic, absolute magic.
0: And of course, the seeds were sown with that initial challenge cup win, also in Sheffield, against the Steelers. And oh. that was really the start of something special for the Devils, wasn't it, that probably led up to that moment again in Sheffield where you win the league title.
1: Yeah, it was the turn of the ties, so, and... That, that year we went from ninth, no playoffs, the worst off-ice situation we have been in, it, probably in our history, and you're talking back to the days when we, we were looking at not having a home, and to go from that to challenging for the title, winning a Challenge Cup against the Steelers in their own backyard was just a massive turnaround, and and we could have gone there and won the league the, a, couple, a couple of weeks later, and it wasn't to be, but then a couple of years of working into it, and It finally comes good. Everybody bought it. There were some pretty goals. We just worked so so hard. There was loads of fans there. I think we were all in fancy dress actually because it was our last road trip of the year, and it's something that the Devils fans have always done is just do fancy dress. So everyone was dressed up as wrestlers and goodness knows what. And that was what we were. That was our attire for winning the title. (laughs) And I actually have a medal as I have a league winner's medal myself because I was a member of the off ice team. And the organisation paid for every member of the off ice team to have a medal, and that's something which it sits in my living room framed. And that every time I look at it, I just think of that game, and how much work went into it, and it'll always be very, very special to me.
0: Yeah, and a classy move there, Todd Kelman. Clearly values everybody within the club, as, as he said, and, and that's why you have a medal to yourself. I do. <laughs> Okay, let's uh, look at your next defenseman then. So, defenseman number 2 for your line Okay, second defenseman is number 24, Andrew Hotham. Andrew Hotham, four seasons with the Devils between 2014 15 and 2017 18. 277 games for 78 goals, 200 assists, and he won two Challenge Cups, two Elite League titles, and one playoff title with the Devils. So, why Andrew Hotham? Why not? <laughs> okay, fair um, enough. Let's move on. <laughs>
1: yeah, let's move on. Now. Uh Andrew Hawthorne, because I think you it's just such a complete player. And if I could use one word to describe Andrew Hawthorne, it would be clutch. Just mm. so, so clutch in big situations. Whenever you needed a big goal to get you in get you back into the game, win you a league title in Belfast anything really. And Andrew Hotham could do it. He, he did a bit of everything. Technically, he's one of the best players I've seen. And I think overall, he could he just do everything. He, was, he could score goals. He wasn't afraid to mix it up. He had a couple of fights. Very, very good shot. Very accurate shot. But he also had the ability to sort of float shots to the net. When we, had, when we were in a team with... A guy like Lane Elmer, Andrew Lord, Chris Culligan, players who love to get into that area and and, def- and make deflection plays. He was the perfect person to do it. And I think he came to us from the DEL, where he didn't have a tremendous season, but played 29 games at 13 points. I think if Andrew Hotham had been a bit of a better athlete, he would have been staying in the DEL. He wouldn't have been anywhere near the Olympic. He's famous for hating going to practice. Andrew Lord, I think, has said in the past that although he was a great player, he was hard to coach because he just knew how good he was. And he just controlled so many situations when he was on the ice. And opposition teams hated him, absolutely hated him. Whether you go to Sheffield, Belfast, even Fife. Fife had a massive, massive problem with Andrew Hawthorne. I, I, I don't know what it... You must have said something somebody, somebody to somebody up there once, but you always... Expected trouble from Andrew Hotham whenever he went up to Kirkaldy, and he he just did everything very well. And like I said, the key word for Andrew Hotham is clutch.
0: Although he he did weigh in with his fair share of goals, he scored an awful lot of assists, averaging 50 assists each season, but also penalty minutes as well. He could look after himself. Yeah,
1: definitely. I was just about to say, he posted at least three. At least uh, did, he, did he go? He probably went four full hundred-minute plus se- penalties seasons. Looking at it, by the time you look at his league, you know his league stats, and by the time you tot up challenge cup playoffs, he is probably totaling over four four one hundred penalty minute seasons. And yeah. uh, like yes, I said, he could definitely. look after himself. He could look after himself. Wasn't afraid to h- throw a hit. Uh, not a dirty player But got under the skin And which if you've got a good player Who can get under the skin of people It makes for a very very good weapon to have uh, Talking of the, the Sheffield game Which we just went through I think there's a play late in the second third period Where um, he's getting hooked a little bit And he purposely holds onto it Just a very clever player He gets hooked by uh, I think it's I think it was Colton Fretter And Hotham could have easily taken the penalty for it But Fretter was the one going to the penalty box When there was ice ins, Andrew Hoffman would be on the bench. The linesman would be calling for him to get on, and he would walk. He wouldn't come on the on the door. He got off the ice. He would walk through the bench to give his teammates those extra couple of seconds just to take just to catch their breath and just a big game player and if probably the biggest game player that I've seen for the Caradale under Andrew Lord
0: for sure. So that completes your defensive lineup, Mark Richardson. And Andrew Hotham. Before we go into the forwards, I'm going to ask you, who is the player who you would have liked to play for the Devils who didn't and played for another a team in the Elite League? So, Sean, who's your choice? I'm going to go with Jerome LeDuc from the Belfast Giants, played there in 16-17. So, Jerome LeDuc, as you said, 16-17, just 14 games, a late-season signing by the Giants. Three of those games in the end-of-season playoffs, six goals and eight assists. And this one, I must say, intrigued me because of all the hundreds of players that you've seen play for the opposition against the Cardiff Devils in all your time that you've been watching them, you choose a player who only played 14 games in this country. So what was it about Jerome LeDuc that made him stand out so much for you?
1: Well, he played one of his first games against us on a doubleheader over in Belfast over Valentine's weekend, I think it was. And he scored two goals in his first game. Possibly was not his first game, but it was the first game of the weekend. We went down 3 nothing, came back to win the game 4-3. But you look at players who stood out, in those weekends and Le Duc, for me is a guy who you look at his stats through his career as a defenseman. he's played at a very good level AHL had a good junior career in Rimouski since has gone to the e to play for Dornbiener and had a couple of good seasons last year played in the Al-Svenskan, and I think just I just liked a, a lot of his game he thought he was very speedy jumped up into the play where he needed to little bit fancy big guy as well at 6-1 I think I think it's more the intrigue of wondering what he could have done in a full season in the Elite League. And as I said, his career has, has taken him to still a pretty, pretty good level. If he ever came back to this league, I'd be intrigued to see how he got on. And uh, and I'd like to think, I'd like to see him in Cardiff. My sort of mindset towards it was if we lost one player from this season, so say, for example, in my mind, if Gleason Fournier left, that is a very, very hard player to replace. Le is a high-scoring Defenseman, and that is the sort of player I would like to sort of try and fill that void and see what he could bring to our team. And yeah, I, th- I think like for like, it would be a very decent sign in. And I'd be very, very intrigued to discover what he could have done over the course of a full season with the, you know, the chemistry with his teammates. You never know if he had a settled defence part. partner while in Belfast. Like I said, a, Belf- a Giants fan may be able to say that, but I only saw him a couple of games, so I couldn't possibly comment so yeah the intrigue is partly that and I, I think you know, I look at other players through the years and you know maybe I would have liked a guy like Colton Fretter but he was a stealer wasn't he he, he just was a stealer for, but he was a stealer for so long I did suggest another one but obviously I couldn't have him for other, for unknown for reasons but for me well, you know, well, the reason was
0: that he actually played did play for the company Well, <laughs> well I,
1: think, I think they had the same name but they weren't the same player at all but we <laughs> You know, uh, we'll we'll leave that one there. But Laduke for me is an intriguing player, and I'd like to see him come back to this country at some stage and see what he could really do.
0: I mean, he was only 24 when he played for the Giants. He's 27 now. He's had. A very successful season in the Ausvenskan, scoring 40 points in 50 games from defence, plus 13 record. And if he doesn't stay in the Ausvenskan or go elsewhere in Europe, you'd like to think with having previous experience in the Elite League, he, he could come back here.
1: Yeah, for sure. And there's probably a couple of connections there as well. I see, I see I can see here that he played for uh, Gwinnett in 13-14. I know Joey, Adad dad, spent some time in Gwinnett. I'm not sure if it was that season, Elite Prospects. Oh, Joey, Adad dad, played in that exact same team. So that connection may bring him here. You just don't know.
0: So a player you would definitely like to see play for the Devils and one day possibly could. We shall should, we should see. We shall see. OK, let's move on to your forward lines now, Sean. So forward number one. Forward number one
1: is Vezio Sacratini, number
0: 28. Vezio Vezio Sacratini, another Cardiff Devils legend, 481 games, 191 goals, 322 assists, 513 points and 669 penalty minutes. Played in the ISL team, won ISL titles, won the playoffs and also won a Challenge Cup. So what was it about sacratini Because, of course, from your time watching him, you wouldn't have seen him play in the Super League. So you would have only seen him during his time in the Elite League with the Devils.
1: Yeah, and think, I don't think I still ever saw the best of what Vez had to offer. But he was still one of my favourite players on and off the ice. On ice, he was... Just an agitator of the highest order, one of the best agitators, I think, that this country's possibly ever seen. For a guy as short as he was, he played six foot six every shift, gave it everything. Very, very speedy forward, could put the puck in the net, dictate the pace of play. I, I just liked Vez in all sorts of situations. He played for us when we weren't all that successful, but he had some pretty successful seasons for us in the Elite League. Very pivotal in that Challenge Cup final against Coventry back in 2006. And he's just, for me, a fabric of when I think of the Devils and what it's given me and the the friendships and the connections that I've made through the years. Vez is one of those people who stands at the front of it every single time. He was in Cardiff last year for the summer, and I met up with him and had a couple of beers. And he's just such a character off the ice as well as he was on. And I didn't see his best, but I saw enough of him to know that when he was at his best, he would have been absolutely unplayable, very, very quick guy, soft hands. And like I said, his vision to, to create things on the ice was was fantastic. I also think he gave a couple of pastings. I think it was Mark Lefebvre to fight with up in Sheffield and just dropped him. So he wasn't afraid to mix it up. And that's why I say he played six six, even though he was no near that. I think he was five eight, one one of the smallest devils in the history. But God, he was such a big personality and just gave so much. He married a Welsh girl as well. So I think he's one of those players that is, I think he left a part of his heart in Cardiff. And and for me, an underlying theme of my selections in this
0: is players who used to love playing for the Cardiff Devils. You mentioned his agitating skills. When you compare how he used to play with agitators now, uh, and there's one I'm particularly thinking of who, who has played for the Sheffield Steelers this past season. How do you compare
1: I'm gonna think straight away that you're gonna refer him to Brendan Connolly. I could be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a very, very good comparison. I think the closest that the Devils have come to signing a guy like Vezio Sacratini was Jay Matula. Uh, but I, I just don't think he had that sort of that charisma. Vez, I think Vez just had that charisma, which you just wanted to go out there and, and play and play with Vezio Sacratini because he would stick up for anybody was great with the younger British players and in comparison to Brendan Connolly I think that's a, a very, very apt comparison. It's not what I thought of myself because I absolutely despise Brendan Connolly but I love Vesio Sacrotini but, <laughs> you see- but, then fans, but then Sheffield fans will love Brendan Connolly and would have absolutely hated Vesio Sacrotini when he, was, when he was playing for the Devils. So
0: and, yeah, so, and as a yeah. Panthers fan, I hated them both. So. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, there
1: you and go. that's why a, I
0: made the comparison. Made. <laughs> you, look at, you look at his career and, OK, he, he played for London. He had a very brief spell at the Sheffield Steelers at the end of his career. But predominantly, it's the Cardiff Devils that feature most yes. in his, his resume.
1: Well, Vez Vez actually played for Sheffield for five games in 06, 07 because we were full. We had a full team. I think that was at the stage where we signed a very expensive team that year and weren't having any money in because we didn't have a rink for the first half of the year. And Vez's wife was pregnant as well. And so they came back to Cardiff for her to have the baby. Oh, sorry. Bob Phillips owned the Sheffield Steelers and Marini Phillips owned the Cardiff Devils. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, So the only duties that there was no room for him to play in Cardiff, but the Sheffield had some capacity and needed a body. And obviously, Vez wanted to still earn a little bit while he was over here, and that's uh, that's why he went and played those five games. And like you said, in Italy that year, you know, he just ripped it to pieces. It, it was the second the second tier of the Italian hockey at the Italian hockey system at the time, but. He is. He just is a Cardiff Devil. Five games playing for Sheffield. Nicky Chin played for the Sheffield Steelers a lot, but I think in his heart, he'd say he's a Cardiff Devil and a Cardiff boy. So, yeah, for me, Vezio Sakratini is
0: up there with the all-time Cardiff Devils greats. We're going to move on to your favourite goal now. And this is one I actually do remember quite vividly. So, Sean, your favourite goal in your time watching the Devils?
1: Okay, my favourite goal watching the Devils was Drew Paris' overtime winner against H.C. Davos in the Champions Hockey League.
0: 2018, the winner in overtime to give Devils, I think it was their first Champions Hockey League points. Uh, Am I right there? Yeah. And, of course, it, it came after a bit of controversy where Joey Martin had scored just before the final buzzer and the goal was wiped off, leading to overtime, uh, and then Drew Parrish scores the goal. So it's a goal that that if the referees had been feeling a little more lenient, you may not even have seen.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the reason this is my favourite goal, there's a, a couple of reasons for it. Like you said, the first thing you said, it's our first points in the CHL, our first win. Against a team historic as HC Davos, you know the Spengler Cup and all the history which comes with it. They are a big, big team in in European hockey and a historic team. And we'd gone there a week or two previous and got absolutely hammered. Joey Martin scored the only goal, and we were just glad to be in the Champions League. We we didn't contemplate that we were going to go to Davos and win, and they absolutely ripped us to shreds and showed us what we were, you know, what we were in for. They came to Cardiff, and we stayed with them the whole game. We got a power play at the end, towards the end of the third period, and as you said, Joey Martin has a goal disallowed with 50 seconds remaining. The referee believes that Matt Pope is in the crease. Looking back at it, I don't think Matt Pope was in the crease, and if there was any sort of goaltender interference, there was a lot of you know jostling in, in that sort of area with the defenseman. So in my mind, it was a good goal. But the game finishes. We are absolutely devastated. We'd gone crazy. At that game, thinking that Joey Martin had just won as a game in the CHL against HC Davos and it wasn't to be. And you just sort of get to the stage where the buzzer goes in your head. You're just thinking it's just not meant to be. It is not going to happen. Anyway, the power play, the power play continues into overtime. And if we are going to have any chance of winning this game, we have to score on this power play. A team like HC Davos in the CHL three on three. They get their chance and they are going to skate rings around you. A very, very fast skating team. And all that ice to use up, we don't really stand a chance. And Matt Pope collects the puck behind the net in, in overtime, fires it to Drew Paris, who stands at the top of the circle and just lets an absolutely rasping shot, top shelf. And we get our first CHL win. And it, it was momentous to be in the arena. The, if you go and watch the video the crowd just erupts. And people talk about, when they talk about European nights, you know, Liverpool will talk about the comeback against Barcelona in the Champions League or or Istanbul or anything like that. And for me, European nights are very, very special to me, especially games that we've won in Cardiff. And that is one of those, the, the very first game we won, it just sticks out. And it's because of that goal that Drew Paris scored. And he didn't do much. I think the other reason it stands out is because he didn't do a great deal else when he was here. But it it just made it it was just perfect. The the crowd was crazy, and it was just momentous. The first CHR win, a massive, massive day for us, and
0: yeah, just unbelievable. Let's move on to your second forward, and I think it's no surprise that this guy is in your lineup. So, who is forward number two?
1: Forward number two is number eighty-eight, Joey Martin.
0: Joey Martin, lovingly referred to as the GOAT The greatest of all time 398 games, 182 goals and 304 assists And he is the first for goals, assists and points For the Devils in the Elite League era Two championships, two playoffs, two Challenge Cups Is he the greatest of all time?
1: I think he is I think he's the greatest of all time
0: In Cardiff or in Elite League?
1: Uh, in Cardiff, I, I don't think... I think in the, in the league, it's hard to... So you'll always have that massive, massive debate between fans because I see Joey Martin week in, week out. You guys, hopefully not. But I've seen Sam here all year long, game in, game out, and you know what he can bring. And I think the, be- the best person to ask that question would be someone who doesn't have any allegiance to a team. Uh, you know, So a broadcaster, somebody, somebody like Aaron Murphy, who sees these teams... You know what I mean? He sees more yeah. of every every team. He's not so constant with one. But in my mind, he is the best Cardiff devil of all time that I have seen. And there's people who've been going since, the very, since day one up there who think that he is the greatest devil of all
0: time. And, and he's still not... I don't think he's done yet. So, yeah, I think, I think he is. I mean, he's only 31 years old. He's had an immense amount of success in Cardiff. The question that needs to be posed is, is why would he go anywhere else I suppose well I, th- I think that's it is
1: you know he struggled this year with injuries but still had a point to game season in in elite league action and he's got a lot of honor so far the, the the one thing you could look at is what has he got to gain by leaving because obviously he's a professional sportsman it's a short career yada 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 but I think Cardiff is such a it just feels like home to him I think He's been so successful. He's had some great times. Uh, he's obviously up. He was the captain this year. So there's been sort of an evolution for him. He's grown as a player, probably as a person by being a part of the Cardiff Devils. And I can't see him going anywhere. The guy just oozes class. You can put Marty out there, do anything. Power play, penalty kill, penalty shots, anything. He's just. A specialist at everything. Joey Martin does things which I've not seen other players do. Joey Martin does Joey Martin things, and you, when he's on the ice, he makes things happen. We built our team around him in terms of our forwards for the last. I think it's going to be. His, it's been five years. He's been with us, and he leaves it all on the ice. Shift after shift. I think a couple of years ago, the second year, the second year. In 1516, we went to Belfast in late March. I went over for the game because it was when we were in a title race and we played garbage that night. We were absolutely atrocious and we needed to win that game to stay pretty much to have a chance at winning the, winning the league title. And the entire team just bottled it. But Joey Martin went out there and I think he took a shot to the ankle or something in the second period. And he went out there and played shift in, shift out, gave everything and scored two goals so he basically played and almost gave us a chance to get back in the game playing on one leg and that is a guy that I want to lead my team and set an example for the rest of the players that this is how it is that's how we do things here in Cardiff and that's why he's the captain that's why he's the greatest of all time is as well as being a great player he's, a, he's just a great asset to us on
0: off the ice I just think he's tremendous just on the basis of next season or oh following seasons. How big is his importance that he stays at the Devils? How big a blow would it be if he did decide to try his look elsewhere?
1: I think it would be a massive blow. I think you've sort of got the situation where whoever comes and replaces him has got a hard time to doing it as well and impressing everybody, you know, this guy won't be as good as Joey Martin. I I just think that it's a very, very high expectation. For for a play, to have of a player it's a very high expectation to have of a player and it's a real headache for your head coach to have I don't think we're in a situation where we can think about after Joey Martin yet because all, all we have to I, I don't see it and off his injury this year you could say look that's it I'm done and that would be a travesty but players come and players go we would manage would it be hard to replace him I think it would be Andrew Lord's biggest test as a head coach to replace a guy as talismanic as influential as Joey Martin Yeah. But in my opinion, if you ask me what I think is ahead for Joey Martin and the Cardiff Devils, I think a couple more years and a a number up in the rafters. And I think he could see that with a few more titles. And I I think that would be a big thing for somebody. And uh, I think that would be enough to to keep him here.
0: OK, we're going to complete your line now with your final forward. So, Sean, forward number
1: three. Forward number three is another centre.
0: I've gone with three centres. Number 18, Stuart McCrae. So, no problem with face-offs in your line, but uh, Stuart McRae, 195 games for the Devils, 85 goals, 168 assists for 256 points, was with the Devils being 10-11, 11-12 and captain in the 12-13 season. So, why particularly Stuart McRae? Stuart McRae
1: was a very, very under-the-radar sign. He came from the Amarillo Gorillas in the CHL and he was, he is a, he's a very, very slow starter. A lot of fans didn't take to him and I don't think he had a great start to his Dallas career in his first season, which says a lot given that in his first season he had 78 points in in
0: 54 Elite League games. Yeah, I think in, in the Cup, he had 10 games didn't score a goal in 10 challenge cup games did get seven assists but as challenge cup games as we know are generally played senior games yeah. at the front end of the season that's probably where that opinion came from
1: yeah but i think when he sort of settled in and found a spot on the lineup i think we played hull he only scored two goals all year and we played hull in a game on in cardiff it was a game on sky and i think he scored two goals in 2 minutes and it really really sort of Something clicked with his line and he was absolutely out of this world. Just did everything very well. It was a, a fantastic 200-foot hockey player, defensively responsible, and very, very good on penalty shots. One of my primary memories of Stuart McCrae, we were playing Nottingham in the, uh, in the big blue tent very, very late towards the end of the year. And it went to a shootout and we had to win. We had to have maximum points to be in a shout of winning the title. This was the world record year. And... Craig Kowalski was your netminder then. and Stu McCray pulled off two unbelievable penalty shots in a in a situation where Nottingham were out of the running. I think so. It was it was another game like you, you may have been battling for seedings, but we needed to win that, and the pressure was on us 100. percent And I remember not watching it. I had to turn my back because I was terrified of what was going to happen. But Stuart McCray scored both of his penalty shots. And took us into the next week with a chance of winning the title. And I just think he was one of the most consistent forwards you could ask for. He came up big. One of, if not the best penalty killer I've seen. Had a rocket of a shot. He had this, this knack to create space for himself so easily. He made the big the big, the big blue tent look like Olympic ice. Because he was such a good playmaker. That opponents would often take a little second to think where he was going to go with it, because he could move the puck and, and just do things with it, just to gain the zone, to set up, or even he had the ability to shoot on on net and get the goal himself. So I think a lot of fans will forget Stuart McRae just for how good he was because he wasn't a very flashy player, but he was very smooth, very composed, and for me, in his three seasons he was sure, across those three seasons he was the most consistent Cardiff Devils forward.
0: Yeah, when you look at the stats and um, seventy-eight points, sixty-nine points, sixty points in in the regular season in the elite league, it's incredibly consistent. Uh, like you say, and, and considering the big blue tent didn't have the greatest ice, it was a, it was a fabulous atmosphere. It was a smaller rink, and like you say, to, to put up put up them sort of numbers, it is an, an incredible record.
1: Yeah, and I think it. I think it sort of came to prominence as well, he was a very, very good road player. The big ice sort of was a very, very good thing for Stu McCray. So when we went to Sheffield, when we came to Nottingham, those arenas were where we needed the guys who were the better skaters. And, and Stu McRae was a very, very good skater. As you said, you mentioned the BBT and the size, of, sorry, the size of the ice, the quality of it. Very, very easy for players to get caught up and take a lot of penalties, hook in, hold in, anything like that. But Stu McCrae took very, very few penalties as well through the course of his Cardiff Devils career. Very disciplined. And I think that's why he was given the captaincy, because he was the just a total pro. Very, very disciplined. Could put points up. Just loved the game. Loved playing for the Cardiff Devils. And and I think a lot of fans who were around then will, will hear the name Stuart McCrae. And you'll just get a smile off them, because they know exactly what Stuart McCrae did for the team. And... He was loved for it,
0: absolutely loved for it. Well, we've still got your honourable mentions and your favourite moment to come, but for now that completes your lineup, which is as follows. Netminder fellows there. Defenceman number one, Mark Richardson, defenceman number two, Andrew Hotham. Forward Bezio sacratini Second forward, Joey Martin, and third forward Stuart McRae. So quite a formidable lineup you've chosen there
1: yeah I think so. I wouldn't want to play against it.
0: No, I don't think many <laughs> would to be to be fair i think I think a good balance as well with with having someone who could agitate like Sacratini on the line with someone like Joey Martin. I think that could be a very it could have been a very interesting partnership
1: yeah, and I think there's a lot of speed in it as well, and the game is good I think if you put it on the ice now, the game that's played at the speed it is Where it's such a big thing to get guys who can skate quick. That is a for me. I think that's a quite a quick lineup as well. Minus Andrew Hart, who was one of the worst skaters I've ever seen for an in-ball,
0: for an in-ball player,
1: but he did everything else so well that I won't uh, won't hold it against him.
0: Before we move on to your honourable mentions, I just want to say a big thank you to Mark Finn, better known as Finney, who helped me out a great deal with the stats for your team and sent them through to me. So big, big thank you to him for taking the time to do that. Uh, but we are going to move on to your honourable mentions now, Sean. So, who were the players who you considered who almost made your lineup?
1: There was a long list. I've got my, I sort of have got some scrap notes elsewhere with lots of different names on them, but I sort of narrowed down my my honourable mentions to uh, NetMyDrive Ben Bounds. Obviously, we talked about it when I was mentioning Philosé. He's, he's almost there. So, Bounds was one. Defence, I've got Jeff Burgoyne, uh, who played in the BNL and the Elite League. Uh, Wes Jarvis, uh, the other defenseman I contemplated forwards wise there was only really two Brent Walton, I think we never really saw the best out of Brent Walton. He gave he gave his best, but I don't think we saw the best of his career. I think an injury sort of held back from what he could really do when he was injured for the whole of his the whole the whole of his second season he was such a a great, a great teammate. I think he came on one of the supporters buses once up to Manchester when we were going through the stretch. And when he came back early last year, you just like that's a guy who loved loved playing for the Cardiff Devils. And my last one was Ivan Matullik. And the reason that Ivan didn't get in there was because I just didn't see enough of him. I think I only saw one and a bit seasons from him and I never saw him at his best. We're looking at video. I wish I'd seen him at his best. In that playoff final against Nottingham with the two shorthanded goals, you just look at what he could do and He's just a monster, an absolute monster. And he's the one of the four of the, of the forwards. I think I was disappointed that I couldn't slot him in there, but for the best reasons.
0: And if you had to choose one overall, so the one player that almost made your team but didn't, out of those you've selected, who would it be?
1: Where's Jarvis. Number four for the Carlos Devils. The guy was tough as nails. We signed him from Basingstoke. He fought Brad Voth when he played for Basingstoke, and he was a real, real tough guy. But he wasn't a a very, very physical player. You know, he wasn't an enforcer, but he wasn't afraid of anybody. Uh, When he did play for us, the one year was the year which Sheffield tried their ultimate goon experiment with Andrew Sharp, who, in my mind, was just a, a disgrace to the game, in my opinion. There was a big, massive bench brawl in Cardiff, and he just wanted to go out and fight anybody and everybody and Jarvis pulled him to one side and just absolutely pummeled him. Like I think there's probably an imprint underneath the old site of the BBT where uh, where where Jarvis punched Andrew Sharp's face into the sand underneath the ice. He absolutely layered him, and uh, he was just a great stay-at-home man and a rocket of a shot. Yeah, Jar- Jarvis for me is a very very low-key Cardiff devil who floated under the radar and he if he'd stayed with us a few more years I think we'd have seen some real real special things out of him
0: I mean interesting because I'm looking at his stats and 79 points in 104 regular season games for the devils that's some going for for a supposed stay at home d-man and when you consider in his 24 games for Basingstoke he only scored four points makes Mm. it all the more remarkable
1: yeah, and I think he was, he was part of two teams in the BBT, which we weren't entirely, I think the BBT sort of ha- suited the style where if you were going to score six goals, we were going to score seven, uh, because they, they, they were just got a lot of goal fests in the BBT because it was so end to end all the time. And I would even, like, it's, it's shocking when I look at the numbers and think, geez, he was our stay at home defenseman. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was a, he was a great, great
0: player. OK, to conclude the show, as we always do, we're going to finish with your favourite moment. And, Sean, you've got quite a few.
1: Yeah, I have got quite a few. The league win in Belfast stands out as an overall an overall moment. I think I booked my flight. We played Sheffield a couple of days earlier, and as soon as the whistle went, I booked my flight. It was hideously expensive to fly from Cardiff as well. But if it was a possibility, I wasn't going to miss out. Took the flight. Andrew Hawthorne scores the game winner, coast to coast, with 20 seconds left. And you, you guys, have, listen, you guys have won your only league title in Belfast, and you know how great it is to be in that city after winning on the ice and taking your title. When I listened to Paul's podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about winning the league in Belfast, I sort of sat back and I thought, yeah, I think that's probably up there with mine because the best thing about Belfast is you're on an island. You can't just go home. You have to go out and just get lathered and celebrate. It's just <laughs> impossible. You can't go home unless you're an excellent swimmer. You are getting nowhere near your home. <laughs> and if you are a good swimmer, you're not getting very far afterwards. But, yeah, it, it, it was just everything. Uh, we took the same flight home as the team uh, the following day. And, you know, they were they were still standing, but they were um, they weren't the freshest faces. Matthew Myers was walking down the plane with a flyby stewardess um, tie on serving all the drinks to everybody. A couple of days later, we played at home to Sheffield. Jackson Whistle won his first game in Cardiff and celebrated like it was Game 7 of the Stanley Cup, and we just won a title two nights before. I think Joey Martin didn't play, Andrew Hawthorne didn't play, and the shop was laden with all the back-to-back merchandise, all that sort of thing. The party on the ice was great. Afterwards, Neil Francis caught up on stage and sent Grace Kelly by Mika for some unknown reason, probably the intake of booze. But the trophy was passed around the bar as if it was ours. There are teams who, when they win titles, say, Oh, you know, come to this event. You can have a photo of the trophy. And, you know, some clubs would probably go to the extent of, Oh, pay five pounds for a photo of the trophy. But it was just so natural that the trophy was someone could have, someone could have probably walked off with it. It genuinely, it was that people were in that sort of state. The elite league trophy probably could have gone walkies, but. The fact that it was just left for everybody to just carry and drink from and take photos with and, you know, it made it feel like it really was ours as a fan base, not just the club, not just the players, ours as a fan base and as a club. And that was that was a really, really special moment for me. I hadn't had one drink since the Belfast game and I was on cloud nine. I felt about, well, I'm not going to say 10 pints deep because knowing my stature, that would put me in a very, very... Uh, dark place, but about three or four pints deep. And I didn't touch one drop and I felt on top of the world. And, uh, that was very special. I am going to slip in one more, one more quick moment. I know that's cheating a little bit, but this year, the birth of block 13 atmosphere had gone a little bit, a little bit flat in the viola arena. We'd been to Graz and had a stand in section and it just felt right that we needed one. The atmosphere was so good in Graz during our first road CHR win. And I think, I think there is a place for a noisy block in British hockey. Obviously Belfast, I'm not going to say it was, you know, an innovative idea. Belfast have had their area. Glasgow have got theirs, but it it really was a big change in the atmosphere in the old arena when block 13 was introduced. And that first game against Coventry was a, was a highlight for me as well. So yeah, I, I think those two moments stand out. I could go go on and on and on. There's a lot of games where I was younger as well, which I maybe don't remember quite as well as I should People talk about the two thousand and six Challenge Cup final, which I remember, but not as well as these ones, and these ones stand out and they were with they were with the most important people in my life, and that's and I think that's what makes it important to me is that I spend all the memories and things like that I share with so many people. I've had some great times with yourself. The last couple of playoff weekends, we've had a great time. And The thing about hockey for me and the moments, the best moments are because they were the best people. And That's what hockey for me is and why it's had such an impact on me is because the people that are involved with hockey are the most special thing in it.
0: Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for sharing your top line with us. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers, John. And thanks very much for listening. We will be back again soon with another My Top Line. But for now, it's goodbye.